reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing. Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hope, reasons for hope. We're halfway through the Advent preparation for Christmas. The candle switches from the third one is the pink candle, rose-colored, and so the vestments as, as well, signifying this hope of this last phase in preparation for Christmas. The, the color is intentionally supposed to signify and match the color of the dawn. I know you don't get to see the dawn very much in the city, but if you go out in the Brooklyn Bridge, you can see that, or when the sun is rising, you see that the sky just looks absolutely magnificent, and some days it really does look this color. But when we're reading here from John, is that he is not, it seems, maybe this is my interpretation, he seems he's not in a place of great hope and expectation. We remember back at the beginning of the Gospel of John, I mean, John the Evangelist here, it's about John the Baptist, but in the beginning of the Gospel of John, we see John the Baptist baptizing in the, in the Jordan, and people are coming to him, and he knows he's preparing for somebody else, for, for the Messiah, and when Jesus shows up, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. I'm not worthy to untie the sandal straps. It is he about who is uh, the one who sent me, told me, the one who you see the Holy Spirit descend upon, that is the one. He must increase, I must decrease. I baptize with water, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So for John the Baptist, it's, he has a really clear idea who this is. Very clear. Behold, this might be the Lamb of God. No, it's behold the Lamb of God, he knows. But fast forward to this reading, what we just read in the gospel, and now he's sending, he's in prison now, he's going to lose his head, literally, 
in a short amount of time. He's sending some of his disciples out to go to ask Jesus, are, are you really the one? He's not so sure anymore, it sounds, it seems. Why, why would he send people to ask? He has some kind of doubt or misgiving? We, we, don't, we don't know. It doesn't say explicitly. We're just left with what the words are in, in here. It could be that it's in the midst of his deep suffering that he's entered into some kind of depression. I mean, really. And he's just like, what was so clear? Just, ah, I, I don't know. Or maybe this doubt has been something like a seed that's been planted in his mind by others. John, you said that he was the Messiah, but we're not seeing X, Y, or Z. We're not seeing the scribes and Pharisees follow him. I, and so there's this a doubt in his mind, maybe from that. Or maybe he himself had other expectations of what was going to happen. Surely by now, I, Jesus would have come into his glory. Or, or maybe he was thinking that he was going to have some other role that was going to be at Jesus' side, and that didn't pan out. Now he's in jail, and Jesus isn't coming to rescue him. I mean, all this is hypothesis. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is the case or not. But Jesus' response is to John's messengers, go and tell them what you see, what's happening. The blind see, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, the dead are raised. The poor are having the good news, news preached to them. And this is, this is an echo of everything that was in the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, which would have been about 700 years before, speaking about the coming of the Messiah. Be strong, fear not, here comes your vindication. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be cleared, the lame will leap like a stag, and the tongue of the mute will sing. This prediction of miracles that happen of healings. And so our Lord is trying to send a message of hope to John the Baptist. Yes, it really is happening. Yes, you can have confidence. Yes, I really am who you thought I was and who you want me to be are expecting me to be the Messiah. That's all in between the lines. Now, for us, we can be in a similar place, and it's a very common thing. We might have a moment in our life when our faith is really strong, and Jesus Christ, he's everything, and he's just, and our prayer life is just really firing on all cylinders, and and our, our faith is just, we're, we're able to see God's hand in so many different events and, and things. We're, we're delving into it and we're growing. And, and then sometime later, weeks, months, sometimes years later, we look back and say, wait a minute, I, I, I'm not feeling it the same way. Is, is he really what I thought he was? I used to be a lot more enthusiastic, and now I'm, it's kind of a routine, and, and I'm just not as sure. And like John the Baptist, maybe it's our own long suffering that's it's, it's, it's something that weighs on us. And so 
the, the joy of faith isn't something, that's not how we would describe our relationship with God, the joy. That's just wouldn't be what comes out of our mind. Or maybe it's a doubt that's been planted in our mind by others. Something that we've been listening to a lot of things, other people, podcasts, uh, something that I saw that just kind of, gosh, well, maybe there is just a human explanation for all of this. Or maybe it's just that we had different expectations. I thought by now in my life, this would have happened or that. And we just don't know. It's just not panning out the way we thought. So we send our messengers to, to, John, um, to Jesus and they come back saying from the gospel, yeah, 2,000 years ago, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Well, that doesn't help a whole lot. That's a long time ago. The galaxy long, far, far away in a time long, long ago. It's like, yeah, actually, I get it, but it's, it doesn't speak to me the same way as if I were experiencing something now, something close to me in my own life or someone I know. The good news is, is that yes, miracles still do happen often. Some of you will have seen or, or experienced in your own life the big miracles. I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm just going out on a limb here. Uh, something to yourself, a loved one, someone in your family, something really significant that happened. By the way, this is how like fake healers do it. They just kind of intuit what might have gone on out there. And then, but that, that's not what I'm trying to do. But, but sometimes things do line up in our lives in a way that we recognize that this, although I can explain naturally how this happened, it just, it's uncanny the way it all lined up right in the moment when I needed to hear this, this happened. And in a certain way, we look at that in, as some kind of a, an act of divine providence, a, a miracle, if you, if you will, in the, in, the, in the lesser kind of sense. But what about those big miracles? People getting healed, people get raised from the dead. What about those? They still happen. I think that many of you know that when someone is, is, has, is, uh, is in the process of beatification first and canonization second to make them a, a saint, the church waits for a miracle to happen after they've passed on for the beatification and then a second one for the canonization. So that's two certified miracles with scientific teams coming in to study it and to make sure that there, there isn't really a natural explanation. It's not just that the chemo worked. That's a natural explanation. It's more than that. It's like the chemo, no, that's not what it was. There's something extraordinary here. Just this year, Pope Benedict, excuse me, Pope Francis, uh, beatified 29 people. That means that there was 29 miracles certified. Uh, he canonized 12, so there's another 12 miracles. John Paul II, in his time, 482 canonizations. That means there's another 482 beatifications. So where you do the math, we're up in the 900s somewhere. Miracles. Okay, I what I want to do is I want to tell you about one uh, of those, just to give you a sense of it and a flavor for it. Blessed Carlos Acutis, an Italian boy, was just beatified. He, he was 15 years old when he passed away. He passed away back in 2006. This is really recent. He was beatified uh, just in October 2010. 
or sorry, excuse me, 2020, October 10th, 2020. So right October of the, the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and I won't go into his whole story because that would take me too far afield for the point I want to make right now. But there is another young boy who was born in 2009, just three years after Blessed Carlos passed away. And he was born with con a congenital disorder that affected his pancreas tremendously, such that, I don't know how it all works together, but he was only able to eat or, or drink protein and vitamin shakes. That's the only thing he could absorb and keep down. He couldn't eat anything solid. He would vomit it back up. And he, this, is, this young uh, Matthias is, is his name. When he was uh, born down in Brazil, and by the time he was four years old, he weighed 20 pounds. For those of you who don't have kids, that's not right. That's really sick. And you can just imagine the stress that that would put on his immune system and leave him susceptible to infections. And, and just there's a whole host of problems that would come along with the fact that he just can't eat. In 2013, he's four years old now, a local priest, heard about Carlos Acutis, who's not blessed yet, but was just really inspired by his story. He reaches out to uh, Carlos's parents in, back in Italy, and they send over a, a relic. And he, he sets up, I mean, he knows the family, but he sets up a, a healing service, a prayer service, uh, asking for the intercession of Carlos Acutis for the whole parish. He didn't do it just for the family. And they had the relic there. They have this large photo of, of Carlos there. So Matthias's mom knows this is coming. She does a, a novena, uh, praying for nine days straight, every day leading up to this prayer service that Matthias could, could in some way have his, his, his suffering lessened. And they, they go to the, the, the service, and Matthias has one prayer. He's four years old, so this isn't going to be a complicated prayer. Lord, I don't want to vomit so much. That's all he was asking for. The priest, he, his turn comes up to, to, to come up to the front. The, I'm not sure what, how, exactly how it happened, whether the priest laid the relic on him or, or what, but he... He's there, he gets back to his pew, the rest of the, the service goes on, they load up in the car, and they're, they're going home, and mom's not expecting too much, and you don't want to get your hopes up too far. And little Matthew says, Mom, I'm healed already. I said, what? Yeah, I'm healed already. It's a four-year-old boy. So how are you, you say, well, okay, well, maybe it's just his imagination, we, you just don't know, or maybe it's just, it's a hope that he has. They get home and he says, Mom, I want to eat French fries and a steak because that's what his brothers, his older brothers, love to eat. And he just always wanted to eat that. And so she, they cut up some and gave it to him and he puts it down the hatch and they're expecting the normal thing that he, and he doesn't throw up. And then another one and another and the next day and the next day and it goes on. And he's really healed. He goes back to the doctors. They take the, the imagery of the pancreas and it's restored. I mean, the thing was like really messed up before. And there's a, that's a healthy pancreas. If you get online, you look up Blessed Carlos Acutis and the miracle, you can see a picture of Matthias holding a, 
uh, a little older now, holding the, the picture of Car Blessed Carlos, and, and it looks like a healthy young boy. I'm sure he'll be always be a little bit smaller, but, but now he, he's healed. Can you imagine what was going through the heart of the mother to have her son healed like that? Just, I mean, just the tears are streaming for, of joy and relief and unbelief, yet at the same time, just, just overcome with gratitude. I mean, just as I tell this story, what happens in your own heart? It's like it just, it just swells up and you say, yes, that's what goodness does. And so we're encouraged and we're given hope by this miracle that God worked in this young Matthäus just a couple years ago down in Brazil. And by the way, normally with saints and blessed, there's several miracles and they pick whichever one would be like the most incredible one to have work out, to really be a miracle. And maybe this one seems like it's more psychological, we're not sure, this other one, maybe, no, but this one, okay, yeah, this is the one and we'll use that one. So there's miracles keep happening. So if you want to lift up your spirits, just look at, okay, who is one of the, the more recent saints? That way we're not going back to trying to find what, what um, I don't know, Gregory the Great did back in, in 600 or something like that. Go to ones like right now, this year, and just Google the, what was the miracle for, in this case, Blessed Acutis, and you, Acutis, and you read the story of Matthäus. This is the God who comes to us now as a baby, a God who wants to heal us, wants to save us. It's painting a picture of what his heart is like. He wants the blind to see, the lame to walk, the lepers to be cleansed, the deaf to hear, the dead to be raised. And while he doesn't do it physically for us all the time, he does offer it spiritually all the time. And that's what gives us hope for our situation. And that's why we prepare for this coming of the rising sun at Christmas and this dawn that was, is breaking now. So let us fill our hearts and minds with these things to prepare for Christmas and let our Lord work whatever miracle in our body or in our soul, that he knows will be for our good. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.